Hallelujah. Thank you, Mrs. Zoom. All right, so we're continuing on with our study of First Kephas or First Peter. And we are entering into chapter three today. Amen. Amen. All right, so let me have my first reader read First Kephas 3, 1 through 6, please. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of Elohim of great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in Elohim, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Hallelujah. All right. Um, let's see. Verse one said, likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands. You know, yeah, I think it may come to a surprise, uh, come as a surprise to some folks that the wives are supposed to be subject to the husbands. In our day and time, they've all but turned that upside down. Right. You know, uh, and in our day and time, it's, you know, no, we're, we're, we're equal partners, you know, um, you know, there's no subjection. You know, that is not the way that Yah intended. Right. You know, hence we see scripture says being subjection to your husbands. Um, you know, and it goes on to say that if they obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation otherwise. Now, remember this, this word conversation, uh, we went over this um, um, prior, you know, is apostrophe or apostrophe um in the greek number 391 and it actually speaks to manner of con uh, manner of um, life or conduct or behavior you know so uh what's being said here is that they may also without the word be won by the behavior of, <clears throat> of the wives you know and so so uh if your if your spouse is acting up and not obeying the word, that's no reason for you not to obey the word. Amen. Amen. In fact, you know it behooves you to set the example so that they may be won by your behavior. Of course, speaking to the wives, you know, and you know so. When they see that you're still doing y'all even when they're not, you know, that's an, oftentimes that's enough for a true believer. That's enough to put the fear of Elohim in them. Amen? Because they know they're going to get in trouble. You know, uh says, who's adorning, let it be. Let it not be the outward adorning of, of plating, which uh, is braiding, uh, braiding the hair and wearing them gold and putting on uh, of apparel. You know, that's not, that's not where your beauty really shines forth. 
not in the spiritual realm, and we're called to be spiritual beings. Amen. amen. It says, but let it be hidden. Let it be the hidden man of the heart. So that inner being, that's where you want to let your beauty shine. You know, in that hidden person, um, that the person of the heart, which is not corruptible. You know, and then in verse four, it says, even the ornament. And I just want you to know that that's implied. That is not actually in the text, you know. Um, but a meek and quiet spirit, which is in, which is in the sight of Elohim of, of great price, you know, or great worth. You know, and this is how you, you're be made beautiful in the spirit, by being meek and of a quiet spirit. You know, and that is... That is what is comely to the most high. And that's what's comely to, you know, uh, a spiritual being. And this word meek speaks to being mild. You know, so you want to be mild. All right. Now, first, um, Kephas 3, 5, you know, said being in subjection uh, unto their own husband. This word subjection is Hutazo number 5293 and it means to subordinate, to obey. You know, just so that you know that um doesn't have you know alternative meaning, you know, that's pretty much what it means. You know, it says even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, which is uh quoting Genesis um 18 12 or speaking to referencing Genesis 18 12, where it says, Therefore Sarah laughed with in her saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. Amen. Amen. You know, now I know a lot of folks uh, um, today will think this offensive. You know, I'm not about to call my husband Lord. You know, I'm called Lord, Lord. You know, but it's just a title. But that's exactly, it's it's just a title. You know, it, it it's just it's just a title. You know, um, but if you understand the ways of Yah and you understand, you know, what he's trying to get across, then, you know, you would also understand that he made your husband your head, you know, and, you know, and that's all you're pretty much, you know, saying, you know, when, when you're saying that, you're saying, you know, this is my head, you know, and you're it's showing that you have an understanding of the hierarchy of Elohim as well. Mm -hmm. You know, now other passages in scripture agree with what Kephas is saying. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to back, you know, Kephas up, you know, um, so that, so that you don't think that this is just an arbitrary statement, mm -hmm. you know, let every matter be established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Amen. Amen. You know, so in Ephesians 5, you know, verse 22 through 24 says, Why submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Adonai? Sound similar? Yeah. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Mashiach is the head of the ecclesia, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the ecclesia is subject unto Mashiach, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. You know, so again, you know, this is the way that Yah made it. He made it that way for a reason. You know, we're not going to understand every reason, you know, but we do understand what he says. Colossians 3.18, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it, um, as it is fit in the Adonai. 
And again, um, you know, we see that it's backed up. And First Timothy 3.11 says, even so must their wives be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. This word grave is seminals, number 4586, meaning to be venerable or honorable. You know, so, you know, wives, you're called to be honorable, not slanderous, sober, you know, not drunkards, faithful in all things. You know, 1 Corinthians 7.39, since we're on wives, you know, it teaches us the wife is bound by the Torah as long as her husband lives. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Adonai. So you have to watch what you eat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> then we have Sirach 2520, you know, um, as the climbing up a sandy way is to the feet of the age, so is a wife full of words to a quiet man. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty self-explanatory, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you don't understand that one? You know, as the climbing up of a sandy way is to the feet of the age, you know, if someone's trying to climb up a sandy um, hill, you know, and they have weak feet, they are going to keep sliding down. They're not going to make it up, you know, and it's, they're going to become quite frustrated in trying to get up that hill. So is a wife full of words to a quiet man. You know, then we have um, Sirach 36, 24 and 25 says, he that get up for wine, begin up for possession, a help like unto himself, a pillar of rest. I'm sorry, he who get up a wife, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah, Zoom is kind of in the way, <laughs> you know, he that get up a wife, begin up uh, a possession, a help like unto himself and a pillar, pillar of rest. Uh, verse 25, where no hedge is, there is the possession, there the possession is spoiled, and he that have no wife will wander up and down mourning. So it's a good thing to have a wife. It's a good thing to have, it's a better thing to have a good wife. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> you know uh, then we have Sirach 26, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that have a virtuous wife, for the number of his days shall be devil. A virtuous woman rejoiceth her husband. And he shall fulfill the years of his life in peace. A good wife is, is a good portion, which shall be given in the portion of them that fear the Adonai. Hallelujah. So, you know, it is a good thing. Then we have um, uh, verses 13 through 16. The grace of a wife delighted her husband and her discretion will fatten his bones. A silent and loving woman is a gift of Yahuwah. And there is nothing so much worth as a mind well instructed. Mm -hmm. A shamefaced and faithful woman is a devil grace. And her continent mind cannot be valued. As the sun, when it arises in the high heaven, so is the beauty of a good wife in the ordering of her house. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. You know, and then Sirach 4019, children and the building of a city continues a man's name. But a blameless wife is counted above them both. Hallelujah. All right. Um, then First Kings 3, 7 says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, 
giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered now this is huge yeah first of all we have to dwell with them according to knowledge you know that is according to scripture because that is our source of knowledge amen okay. giving honor Unto, unto the wife. This word honor is Tima. Number 5092 it speaks to something that is of value. You know, so if you're going to give honor to your wife, you're going to treat her as, as if she is valuable. Amen? Amen? You know, and as unto the weaker vessel, you know, you're not going to play WWF with your wife <laughs> because she is the weaker vessel. Right. Amen? Amen. You know, uh, as being heirs together of the grace of life. You know, you guys are heirs together. If she don't make it in, you may not make it in. You know, and it goes on to say that your prayers be not hindered. So hereby we learn that husbands, if we don't treat our wives correctly, our prayers can be hindered. Mm -hmm. That's huge. That's huge. You know, that's huge because now you, you, you're messing the whole family up. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, let me have uh, my next reader read Numbers 30, 13, Ephesians 5, 25 through 28, and 1 Timothy 3 and 12. Read. Every vow and every binding oath to afflict the soul. Her husband may establish it, or her husband may make it void. Husbands, love your wife, even as Messiah also loved the, the e <coughs> Ecclesia, and gave himself for it, that he might sanct sanctify and cleanse, and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious ecstasia, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their, ruling their children and their own houses well. Okay, so, you know, here it is, you know, the wives are to be subject to her husband so, and so much so that Yah said every vow and every binding oath to afflict the soul, her husband may establish it or her husband may make it void. You know, so again, showing that, you know, the wives are subject to their husband. Yeah. You know, now Ephesians 5, you know, tells us husbands to love our wives even as Mashiach also loved the Ecclesia. You know what he did for his Ecclesia. He gave his life for him. Yes. You know, and says, now this is this is the part where, you know, that we want to take, um, take from. That he might sanctify and cleanse it. You know, husbands, it's our responsibility to help sanctify our wives. To help cleanse them with the washing of the water by the word. You know, so we want to make make it so that they are without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. 
you know, uh, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And wives, it is your responsibility to be receiving to that washing of the word, to that sanctification, you know, uh, because sometimes, you know, folks not ready to wash up. Sometimes they not they don't want to be squeaky clean, you know. But it's the husband's responsibility, you know, to sanctify and to cleanse the wife, you know, with the word, and to make certain that there's no spots or wrinkles or any such thing, you know. And so, you know, but it takes two, you know, um, you know, you know. We can point it out, and we can tell tell you what needs to be done. You know, but you still have to do it, you know, and it's not our jobs to make our wives do it, you know, you know, Yah, Yah will, uh, will take care of that, you know, but we are to point it out. We are to tell them, we are to instruct them. We are to teach them, you know, so that they can be holy and without blemish. Now, if you love your wife, you love yourself because the two should become one, you know, and in Yah's eyes, you are one, you know, and it is the husband's responsibility to rule over their children and their own houses well, you know, so do a good job, husbands. You know, Colossians 3.19, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. You know, so, uh, we're, we're not to be bitter against them and we're certainly not to embitter them. You know, Sirach 9.1, be not jealous over the wife of thy bosom and teach her not an evil lesson. Remember, we're supposed to teach our wives, you know, don't teach her bad lessons <laughs> because if you teach her bad lessons, they're only going to come back to bite you. Say yeah. yeah. lie. Mm -hmm. You know, let me have my next reader read first uh, Corinthians 7, 3 through 5, and then jump down to verses 12 through 15, please. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife haveth and power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband haveth and not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not, not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourself to fasting and prayer, and come together again, and that Satan Timo, tempt you not for your incontinence, but to the rest speak I not the Adonai, if any brother have a wife that believeth not, and she is pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which have a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Elsewhere, your children unclean, but now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister 
is not under bondage in such case, but Elohim having called us to peace. Hallelujah. Okay, so, you know, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise, the wife unto the husband. Be kind to one another. Be good to one another. You know, uh, as, as we just read, you know, no man hated his own body, and no woman ever hated her own body. I, well, um, anyway, <laughs> you know, be kind to one another. Be benevolent towards one another. You know, uh, the wife have not power over her own body, but the husband. You know, when you said I do, you did. And likewise, the husband have not power over his own body, but the wife. You know, you guys are one. You know, yeah, you guys are one. You know, you're supposed to have power over each other's body. You know, defraud ye not one the other, you know, or, you know, um, defraud meaning, you know, don't, don't deny one another except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. So if you're, you know, you're in a period of fasting and prayer, you know, trying to get closer to Yah, okay, that's understandable, you know, but come together again, you know, and it only should be for a certain time, you know, can't, you know, you shouldn't be in fasting and prayer for the rest of your life, you know, you know, and come together again, that Satan tempts you not, for your incontinency, you know, your incontinency, you know, you, you know, Satan will use that to tempt you, you know, will use that to tempt your mate, you know, and, and so we don't want to, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We're supposed to help one another, you know, and be benevolent. Remember, yes. you know, and so uh, first Corinthians 7, 12 through 15 is pretty self-explanatory. And if the unbelieving depart, let them depart. You know, if they want to stay, let them stay. You know, pretty, pretty um, straightforward. Let me have my next reader read First Keepers 3, 8 through 14, please. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarize, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him it eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Adonai are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Adonai is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Okay, so we're off the husband and wife thing. Back to this dealing with the general uh, population. So it says, finally, be ye all of one mind, 
having compassion one of another. Love is brethren, be pitiful and courteous. You know, that's just, uh, you know, that's just common courtesy, right? You know, um, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Now, we, we need to stop for a second and just think about this, you know. Just because someone says says something, you know, bad or offensive or um, insulting to you don't mean you have to do likewise. And, you know, to, you know, oftentimes, you know, um, I'm not going to say that this is in every case, but oftentimes, you know, many times, you know, a person says something and they don't even realize that they insulted you. You know, they don't even realize that, you know, that they offended you. You know, not, like I say, that's not always the case, but a lot of times it is the case. Yeah. And we should not assume that we know what a person meant. One good way to know exactly what they meant is to ask them. You know, and if they truly were being offensive or if they truly, you know, wanted to be insulting, you know, you can find out. You know, just simply ask. And even if they don't be forthright, you'll still be able to tell from their response. But if you can't, ask again. Bless you. You know, and you're not to do railing for railing because someone's yelling at you. You know, it's it's kind of like A-U-T-O-Matic to start yelling back, yeah. but really try to refrain from that, yeah. you know, because, you know, you you really would be doing a good thing to de-escalate the situation for one, you know, and for two, you know, that's what righteousness looked like. Hence, we're reading it here in First Kings 3, 9, right? You know, so don't render evil for evil and don't do railing for railing, but contrary wise. Do just the opposite. Yeah. Bless them. Yeah. Bless them. You know, and we had an excellent testimony earlier about someone who did just this. You know, they actually blessed the person. You know, and knowing that we are called, that we should inherit a blessing. You know, so, you know, how much more so should we be given blessings, right? You know, and it says, he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no God or deceit. You know, so, you know, you want your lips not to be speaking any deceitful thing, you know, and or any evil thing. So be cognizant of that, you know, be cognizant of what comes out of your mouth. You know, because that, you know, the power of life and death is within the tongue, right? You know, so, you know, you got to be cognizant of that. Because at the end of the day, scripture even teaches that we'll be judged by every idle word that yes. comes out of our mouths. Amen? Amen? You know, so even more reason to do so. You know, uh, and then verse 12 taught us that the Adonai is against them that do evil. His, You know, his face is against them that, that do evil. You know, and then in verse 13, Thomas said, and who is he that will harm you? And you are doing what y'all ask of you, and you are righteous, 
says his ears are open unto your prayers. Who is he that will harm you? If Yah is for you, who can be against you, right? Right. You know. Now, this is going to sound contrary to that statement, but it actually isn't. You know, verse 14 goes on to say, but, and if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. You know, so you can be doing everything right, you know, and you can be following Yah and doing all that you're supposed to do and doing everything right, have your heart right and everything, you know, and you can still suffer for righteousness sake. But if that happens, happy are ye. That's something to rejoice about. I know that sounds crazy, right? But truly it is. Verses 15 through 17 goes on to say, but sanctify the Adonai Elohim in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks of you of a reason of the hope that is, that is in you with meekness and fear. You know, so... Again, with mildness and respect, reverence. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation um, in Mashiach. And remember that word conversation, this is, again, a pastor faith speaking to behavior. You know, so even as they speak in evil of you, your behavior is speaking well of you in Messiah. Your behavior in Messiah is speaking well of you. And then verse 17 says, for it is better if the will of Elohim be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. So again, we go back to suffering for righteousness sake, you know, suffering for well-doing, suffering for doing everything right. You know, if that happens to you, that is reason for you to rejoice. That is a reason for you to be ecstatic, to, to, to do a little dance, to, to get your hallelujah on. Amen? Amen? Let me have my next reader read Matthew Yahoo 5, 10 through 12 that speaks to this and, um, and Acts 5, 41 and 2 Thessalonians 1, 4 and 5, please. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name so that we Ourselves glory in you in the ecclesia of Elohim for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of Elohim, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of Elohim for which ye also suffer. Hallelujah. Okay, so this is an important point that I'm trying to stress here. You know. Like verse 17 of First Keepers um, 3 said, if the will of Elohim be so, that ye suffer for well-doing. You know, everyone is not going to suffer for well-doing. Mm -hmm. But if it's the will of Elohim, 
you'll suffer for um for, for well doing. You'll suffer for righteousness' sake or for His name's sake, and that is actually a great thing. You know, so much so that our Messiah, you know, in Matthew Yahoo five, where He's telling, He's speaking about, you know, all the folks that are blessed. You know, He says, "Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake." Blessed are ye when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. You know, don't get upset. Don't get mad when someone comes up against you for doing right. Don't get upset. Get mad when someone comes up against you for Yahshua's name's sake. That's a reason for us to rejoice and to be exceedingly glad because we we know that we have a reward in heaven. Hallelujah. You know, so, you know, that's the whole thing. When you become a spiritual person, it doesn't look like when you're a physical person. See, because in the in the flesh, you know, your reaction is, is to be sad, to be mad, to be upset, to even want vengeance, you know. But in the Ruach, in the Ruach, you know, you can rejoice and you can be exceedingly glad knowing that you're building up heavenly rewards. You know, Acts 541, you know, speaks of being counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Mm -hmm. See, everyone isn't worthy to suffer shame for his name, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's why everyone don't suffer shame for his name. You know, you have to be worthy of that. And see, this is why you see in Acts 5, the apostles, they departed from the presence of the council. They, by the way, they had just got finished getting beat. They had just got finished being flogged, you know, and they left up out of there, you know, they left up out of there rejoicing, you know, celebrating, you know, that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. You see how that, you see how this thing's supposed to look, you know, but, you know, a lot of us have a lot of spiritual growing up to do because soon as something happened to us, you know, we ready, we ready to, uh, to, to go into attack mode. You know, it shouldn't be so. You know, you should go into rejoice mode. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, that you're counted worthy to suffer shame for God's name. Come on. Yeah. That's a good thing. You know, and Second Thessalonians even goes goes so far to the teachers, it says, you know, your persecutions and tribulations, it says that they are a manifest token. Your persecutions and tribulations that you go through for righteousness sake and for Yah's name's sake is a manifest token. It's a sign that ye are counted worthy of the kingdom of Elohim. You want to receive persecution and tribulation for righteousness sake and for Yah's name's sake. Yes. That is a good thing. Yes. You know, and those of us who understand that mm -hmm. have reason to rejoice. Mm -hmm. Amen. First Amen. Uh, Kephas 3, 18 through 20. My next reader, please. For Messiah also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to Elohim, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Ruach, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime, uh, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of Elohim lived in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, 
wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Hallelujah. Thank you. You know, now, we're in really good company. When you suffer for righteousness sake, you're in, you're in good company. This is what first key. Kephas um, 3.18 is, is teaching us. It says, for Mashiach also have once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. When you suffer for righteousness sake or for Yah's name's sake, you know, it's just a show of the just suffering for the unjust. Yah is having you do that, you know, for the purpose of the onlookers, you know, so that you can plant a seed within them, you know, and he can utilize that seed, you know, by making it grow. And then, you know, causing more people to come to him, yeah. you know, and to set a likewise example. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look all that glorious to the fleshly eyes, but to the spiritual eyes, you know, it's something to rejoice about. The just suffering for the unjust. This is what Yah is about. Yeah. You know, this yeah, is yeah. what this is what the uh, sacrificial system is all about. Mm. You know, those innocent animals suffering for the wickedness of our flesh, mm. you know. Yeah. This is what the Passover was about. Same thing, you know, innocence, you know, um, suffering and shedding his blood for the unjust, you know. Yeah. And it goes on, he goes on in verse 19, it says, by which also, because it um, says, being put to death in the flesh, he was quickened by the Ruach, and then says, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now, these spirits that he spoke to in prison are those um, during the time of the days of Noah. Hence, in verse 20, it says, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of Elohim waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing. Now, we uh, Genesis 6 tells us about what happened during that time that, you know, the angels, uh, you know, came down and intermixed with, with men, mm -hmm. with the daughters of men, rather, and these giants were born, mm. you know, and this was a great evil. It was a great sin, you know, and uh, Kephas also speak to this in 2 Kephas 2.4, you know, uh, he also speaks, you know, or clarifies, you know, this prison that he's talking about says for in El for if Elohim spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to to um, he devil hockey sticks and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And also Jude also bear witness in verses um, verse six, but we're gonna read five and six. It says I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how the Adonai, having saved the people out of the land of Mizraim, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And so we see uh, this matter is established by two, three witnesses. Amen. Amen. Then we have uh, First Kephas three twenty one and twenty two says the like figure whereunto even baptism dual also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward Elohim by the resurrection of Yahushua Mashiach, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of Elohim, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. All right, you know, so he, he spoke of, you know, having a good conscience towards Elohim, 
this word conscience is sunein desis, number 4893, which means cold perception. That is moral conscience from sunido, number 4894, meaning to see completely. You know, so this, you know, taking into account what to see speaks to, which is to understand, you know, uh, we can see that this is speaking of, you know, those who have a good understanding, you know, toward Elohim, you know, and we see uh, an example of this in Acts 8, 29 through 34. Let me have my next reader read Acts 8, 29 through 34. Then the Ruach said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb, dumb before his shear, was opened he not his mouth. So opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. Hallelujah. Thank you. Okay, so... Um, what Keith is stressing here is that concerning the baptism, you know, the emphasis isn't on the putting away of the filth of the flesh, you know, as um, some people take it, take it to be, you know, he's saying, no, that's, that's not where the emphasis is, but, you know, it's, it's of the answer of a good conscience or a good understanding toward Elohim. So that's where the emphasis is on baptism It's understanding, you know, understanding Elohim, understanding his will, way, and purposes. You know, the, the um, putting away of the filth of the flesh deals more so with the circumcision, you know, and, you know, the circumcision of the heart, you know, whereas you're putting away the filth of the, the filth of the flesh, you know, but the baptism speaks to having a good understanding of things and agreeing with those things. Mm. You know, because it's one thing to understand a thing, it's another thing to agree with it, right? right. You know, and so here it is, what I'm pointing out here is to back up that concept, you know, that having a good understanding toward Elohim, you know, uh, is under, is associated with baptism. We see here in Acts 830, Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and say, understandest thou what thou readest, you know, and he, he didn't understand. He said, you know, except some man should guide me, mm -hmm. you know, and Philip say, I'll be your huckleberry and he get up in there um, and help and help him to understand, yeah. you know, and what did, he, what did he help him? What did he help him to understand is seen in Acts 8.33, even in his humiliation, speaking of our Messiah, Yahshua, in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, you know, and Likewise, if you truly understand this and you truly understand, um, you know, what Yahshua and his walk is about, you know, and how the righteous will be persecuted, you know, and suffer for Yahshua's name's sake, then, and you truly understand these things, you will also understand that in our humiliation, his judgment will be taken away from us. 
Amen? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you ha- in order for this to happen, you have to subject yourself to some humiliation, yeah, though. Right. Yeah. Amen? You know, and humiliation doesn't feel good. No. And a lot of people, you know, when humil- humiliation come this way, a lot of people run that way. You know, they want to get out of the way of humiliation. You know, but in Yahshua, in Elohim, you know, this is actually a good thing. This is something that, again, we rejoice about. Mm-hmm. You know, because in our humiliation, this judgment will be taken away. Acts um, 8, 35 through 38 goes on to say, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Yahushua. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What do it hinder me to be baptized? I understand now. I get it. I'm with it. Right. You know, hey, baptize me now. I'm, I'm ready to take part. Right. And Philip said, well, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Yahushua Mashiach is the son of Elohim. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water and both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. You know, so I pray that everyone understand that the baptism of, um, is our declaration that we understand mm-hmm. that like unto Yahushua, our Savior, through through our humiliation in the here and now, uh, we're preserved in good conscience. Um, that is full understanding. Judgment is taken from us in the hereafter. You know, so we want to be at least willing mm-hmm. to suffer humiliation for righteousness sake, for his name's sake, you know, that we be not judged in the hereafter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's all I have for you today. Pray with the blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.